Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Rita, your host. Very happy to be with you again and thank you for tuning in with us. Today it's another opportunity and an amazing lesson to learn from the book of Daniel. As we started in the book of Daniel to look at the dreams and applications and interpretation and challenges of God's people among those ones who didn't know the living God, we are going to look again today uh, into an amazing story and another dream. Stay with us and you'll be able to learn more today. I'll invite you to bring the Bible. If you are home or if you are driving, just stay with us. We are very happy to share with you today. But before that, I would like to just uh, welcome my panel today and I will uh, introduce to you Will today. Will, it's very good to have you back with us. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Nick. And Len, uh, also thank you for uh, being part of this panel. Thank you, Nick, and welcome to the program, listeners. Helen, very good to have you with us, too. My delight to be here and a privilege, thank you. And Lija, also thank you for joining us. I feel very privileged to be here. Now, today we have also another uh, member of the panel, which is also the facilitator for today. We haven't been able to have him too often, but we are uh, very happy to have uh, him with us. And this is uh, Joseph. Joseph, thank you for joining us uh, today and for preparing this study. Thank you, Nick. It's great to be here. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this study and really enjoy, especially the, the book of Daniel. So glad that I have this opportunity. Thank you, Nick. And uh, uh, welcome, uh, panel members. Uh, really looking forward to, to our sharing. But before we get any further uh, into our study, we're going to pray together and ask that God will guide us through this study. Thank you, Len. Would you like to bow your heads with us, listeners? Almighty God, who art in heaven, we, as your humble servants today, are sharing your holy word with the listeners. We pray that the Holy Spirit will lead us to say what is good and right and constructive. We pray that the Holy Spirit might also convict the hearts of those who are listening. As we look into your word and see how persistent, how loving, how um, that you will never give up, even on people who reject you. And so we invite your presence here today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Len. Today our study is looking at Daniel chapter 4. And uh, a very interesting chapter, and just as we get into it, let's remind ourselves of uh, what we've covered so far as we've looked through the book of Daniel. Uh, who, who'd like to just remind us what um, the setting we find ourselves here? Thank you, Len. I find this whole section of the book of Daniel absolutely fascinating. As I mentioned in the prayer, it's about God's persistence. Here we have a pagan king of a powerful empire, King Nebuchadnezzar, who was very proud of his achievements, and rightly so. But there was one thing he forgot to acknowledge, that that power was given to him by the God of heaven. So we have the uh, first dream that he had about the image made of different metals and how he actually defied the meaning of that dream by setting up an image which he required people to worship. And then in the, on that particular occasion, he said that anyone who didn't worship that image, and there were thousands of people there, key people in the kingdom, 
Three young men, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, did not bow down and worship. So they were thrown into the fiery furnace. Yes. And Nebuchadnezzar said, And what God shall save you from my hand? Yes. Well, he had eat his words. Yes. Because the God of heaven did save them. And this week, we're looking at the third, well, probably the fourth attempt in reality, that God uh, gives Nebuchadnezzar to acknowledge that the power that was given him was given him from on high. Mm. That's great, Len. That, 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 that's a great intro in, and, and setting for us. Thank you, Nick. I just want to add also to what Len was saying, that um, right in the first chapter we learn that God's people, they were taken captives into a foreign land because they were disobeying God, the living God. And God manifestation now on the pagan land, it's uh, amazing that the book of Daniel is recording how God is uh, working through those challenges, even though his people disobeyed him. And because of that, they were taken captives mm. in Babylon. I think that was an amazing lesson to learn. But God is interested in everybody. And here we learn about a pagan king who God is very interested about him too, mm. to, to be saved. Yes, Helen. Yeah, um, what I saw through the first four chapters is to me is radical intervention by God in each of those chapters where God has intervened. It's been radical, really, and this week particularly so. If I could just share a quote from Elias Brazil de Souza, he wrote a book called uh, The Book of Daniel, and he said, Note that in Daniel 1-4, to Nebuchadnezzar stands at the centre stage in the drama that unfolds in his court. In chapter 2, his dream about the statue took down his incompetent wise men. In chapter 3, his garish image nearly took down Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, but here in chapter 4, his dream about a tree took him down. Thank you. That's, that's really great. So let's, let's get into chapter 4. What do we find is quite unique about chapter 4 as we begin to read it? What, what do we immediately notice? What's unique here about chapter 4? It's widely understood or believed that Nebuchadnezzar, the heathen king, actually wrote this chapter ah. for the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Lydia. I found out that it takes a long time for Nebuchadnezzar to understand the importance of humility. Yes. So it was the first dream, the second dream, and uh, for every, in every circumstance, he acknowledged God as a sovereign God, but he, in this mid-time, he forgot about it. So God is trying again to come up to him yeah. to... Um, Establishing his heart and mind, uh, this experience with him. Yes, yeah, yeah, good. Helen. Are we any different? Mm. Perhaps we need to think about this probably a little bit of Nebuchadnezzar in every one of us. Ah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, good, good. And I reckon that's something that we really need to explore and bring up again as, mm. as, we, as we look at yeah, what, yeah, what's this saying to us today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. centuries down the track. Thank you. Uh, we've got to land and then across to Nick. I'd like to say that I think the fact that Nebuchadnezzar wrote this chapter of the Bible adds credibility ah. to the Bible. Do you want to explain why? Well, inasmuch as somebody who at least at one stage was opposed to what we would say Christianity and belief in a, in a supreme being called God, that in view of the fact that he wrote the fact 
uh, he wrote about what happened with him as a pagan um, sort of adds to the um, richness of the yes. Bible in as much as it was a uh, someone who wasn't in the in crowd, if you like, I can't think of the right words here, who included his own personal testimony right. about God's relationship to him. Good I point. think that was a very important point. Yeah. It was his personal testimony. Yeah. It wasn't hearsay. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Very good point, Nick. I was going to say pretty much similar things. Um, we know that the Word of God is regarded, you know, by his people like the love letter, you know, God's love letter to each one of us and also to to inform us and to uh, give us uh, insight and wisdom about God. But in this case, I'd like to actually read, if you don't mind, verse 1. Just, uh, it, I thought it was very amazing how uh, it starts this chapter with Nebuchadnezzar, the king, to all people, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. Mm. When you hear this king Nebuchadnezzar speaking these words, you may understand there is something happening with him. Mm. It's not like the outrageous king in chapter 3 or before, but he is now a child of God Jane. speaking. In mm. fact, uh, Nick, the second verse puts it all beautifully. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. What a testimony. Mm. I was just about to say the fact that um, when Nebuchadnezzar himself wrote that letter, it was addressed actually to his vast kingdom. Mm. So in, in this letter, the king tells about his pride and insanity and also that he humbly recognizes God's intervention, intervention in his life. After he wrote his letter, he was already converted, he was already changed. Usually in ancient monarchy, we would really found that uh, somebody is writing derogatory things about themselves. Usually we know that all the letters that are written about kings and kingdoms are glorifying the king. But a document such as this one, when the king admits his pride and his, let's say, wickedly behavior, points to a genuine conversion. So it's amazing that the king here is acting like a, a convert. He's confessing God's sovereignty and uh, also as a missionary mm. to, the, to his mm. vast kingdom. Okay. So as we've all commented now, we've, we've highlighted the point that uh, chapter 4 is unique because it's actually written by Nebuchadnezzar, the, the only chapter in the entire book that's, uh, that's written by a pagan king, and uh, that really does add to the authenticity of, of the Bible, as, as Len mentioned, and that was, that was significant. All right, so we've read verses 1 and 2, and now let's, let's get into reading what Nebuchadnezzar actually describes here. I'm going to ask somebody to read verse 4 and 5 for us, please. I'm reading from the New International Version. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in my bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. Mm. So what does Nebuchadnezzar say he had? Another dream. A nightmare. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, this, is, th this reminds us of what? 
Daniel yeah. chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, mm. exactly right. Yes, we, But we, there is a difference. There yeah. is, isn't there? What, what's yes. the difference there, Helen? Well, the difference is in Jan- Daniel 2, he did not remember the dream. Right. And neither did his wise men. They were not able to interpret because they yep. didn't know what the dream was. This is different this yep. time yep. because he knows the dream, he explains the dream, and they you well, know, same thing. Yeah, but well, I don't want to jump ahead of you. That's right. So let's, let's just follow the text. So let's just, go to verse 6. Yes. Just, just before that, I mean, you ask the question, what's the difference here? As we look into this um, uh, couple of verses, a huge difference is that in the previous dream, Nebuchadnezzar, he has the manifestation of the ruling king, the almighty king, you know, can do whatever he likes, threatening people, do all sorts of things. But in this one, he's actually, after he acknowledges God, this is an amazing difference because he's not the same man like in the previous dream. Okay, so let's see how it unfolds. Verse 6 and 7. We'll get somebody else to read verse 6 and 7. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret a dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Thank you. So King Nebuchadnezzar calls in the wise men of Babylon here, Mm. asking them, to interpret the dream and they cannot let's compare that back in chapter 2 when king had the previous dream Daniel chapter 2 if you turn back uh, there and I'm going to get someone to read verse 2 here and then verse 11 Daniel 2 verse 2 and verse 11 so the king summoned the magicians enchanters sorcerers and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed when they came in and stood before the king he said to them, I've had a dream. All right, we'll leave that there and go to verse 11. They said to him, what the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. Now, I'd like to comment here before you comment, Joseph. You know, there are a lot of people these days, they, they look at the astrological charts and uh, that kind of thing in the newspaper. The evidence of the accuracy of the astrologers and wise men in Nebuchadnezzar's time was that they were totally useless. They couldn't interpret anything. And I would like to suggest that when people look up their astrological charts and they might say that they're going to have a new opportunity arise this week or something like that, they'll make a lot of money. It's a load of hoo-ha. So we find on both occasions that we lend that the astro- these astrologers that were called in were unable to interpret the dream. Exactly. And it's not just the astrologers, that they were one of, of this whole group of, of the wise men of Babylon. So what we find here is this is the brain trust. This is the brain trust of Babylon, the collective human wisdom. And what do we find about their ability, or, or, or shall we say their, their inability here to, to, to deliver? It was very marked, very pronounced, that they couldn't tell what the future was. Exactly right. The English Standard Version says in verse 8, At last Daniel came in before me. (laughs) That sketches. It it really stresses it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Helen? I I was just going to note that it's interesting that they actually did say that they couldn't do it, but the gods could. Yeah, yeah, real confession there, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And another thing is that um, makes me very 
curious. Nebuchadnezzar knew that these astrologists and you know the, the wise men of Babylon were not able to interpret and tell him the dream previously, and he's still asking them first. Yes, this is an is. interesting thing. But the difference is that he straight away mentions Daniel, which means he remembers yeah. that there is yeah. somebody who can actually interpret sure. the dream. Sure. So what did he ask them first? Well, I'd like to suggest they had political correctness back then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. good. So what we find here is the brain's trust is unable to interpret the dream. What's the lesson here for us? What does this tell us about human wisdom? Compared to God, it's null and void. Okay. So yes. human wisdom is yes. what? It's limited. Yes. It's limited. Very much so. E- e- even the it's greatest human wisdom today yep. is... Is, is limited also. Yeah. It's interesting when you said about him calling them for the second time, they had told him that if he told them the dream, they could interpret it. That's right. And here now he told them the dream. It was like he gave them the second chance, but they couldn't do it. And and there is only one that could do it. Mm. And they also said their gods were not there, whereas we have a God who is with us yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You ask a question there in terms of why the wise men could not interpret it. And let, I may just speculate a little bit here now, but after all, the first display in the, in chapter two, these wise men, they learn the fact that because of Daniel, their lives were spared. And because Daniel, through the re- revelation of God, was able to in- interpret the dream for the king. Yes. Now when the king asked them to interpret, I almost have the feeling that they stood back. Mm. They they were they didn't want to put themselves into the spot there because they probably knew that Daniel is the one who will come with the proper interpretation. Yeah. Well, did you want to add something? I just wanted to say that ev- every branch of science that makes no reference to God or doesn't base it upon his wisdom is really futile. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see here. Um, and it's, it's actually one of the themes of the first six chapters of the book of Daniel. And without going ahead into the next chapter, we'll, we'll find that uh, theme coming through, the bankruptcy of human wisdom. Okay, so let's go into, into this dream. Daniel verse 8, Daniel chapter 4 verse 8. Finally, as we said, finally it reads here, Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. Uh, and then the text says he's called Belteshazzar. That was Daniel's, obviously, his Babylonian name, after the name of my God, Nebuchadnezzar says, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. Interesting description mm. here about Daniel. He wasn't acknowledging that Daniel's God at all. He was putting it, because they, they weren't just That's monotheist. Right. Yeah. You know, they were polytheists. That's and right. They had many, many gods, and he was putting um, the king of kings in with his gods. Yes, yes. yes. Joseph, I think it's worth noting that Nebuchadnezzar called the God of heaven, the creator God, a holy God. Okay. Implying that the gods that the Babylonians worshipped were not holy. Okay, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Except in verse 9, if I may interrupt, he said, I said to him, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Yes. So he was still acknowledging his own gods, not our God as being holy. Okay, let's have now look at his actual dream. He says there, here is my dream interpreted for me. Uh, I'll get somebody to read uh, verse 10 and 11, please. Verse 10 and 11, thank you. 
I'm happy to do that. So. Okay, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, While I was lying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. Mm. Okay, good. Thank you. Uh, why don't we continue on a little bit more and see what happens here. Uh, we, uh, we, if we come down to 13 and 14... Then as I lay there dreaming, I saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. The messenger shouted, Cut down the tree and lop off its branches, shake off its leaves and scatter its fruit, chase the wild animals from its shade and the birds from its branches. Okay, let's pause there for a moment. What we find is Nebuchadnezzar in this dream essentially sees a, a great tree. Yes. Yeah, Lydia. Trees are also... Uh, commonly used in the Bible as symbols, as kings, nations, empires. We found many places. I would like to mention Ezekiel 17, verse 31, Hosea chapter 14, Zechariah chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, and Luke 23, verse 31. So, in this case, uh, with Nebuchadnezzar, it was a huge, big tree, so fitting is fitting the representation of a, a very arrogant king. Okay, okay, interesting. Thank you. So we we have elsewhere in the Bible references with a symbol of a tree uh, representing a ruler. Uh, Will you were uh, wanting to add? I just wanted to say the image here is something majestic and proud yes. being brought low. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, being brought low. In what sense? It'd be cut down. Cut down. So, yeah, okay. So we clearly find this large tree, impressive tree, visible, noticeable, and, and then we find that it's actually cut down. Yeah, and it's interesting that it, it's all this, the fruit is scattered. Yes. As, as well as the leaves being shaken off. It's, it looks, at from this point until we get on to the next verse, yeah. it looks like it's gone. It's yeah. done. Okay. Like somebody did to my lemon tree. <laughs> it's gone. What about these days when we say cut him down, when we need to cut someone down? Don't we use that expression? Yes, we do. And, and, and what, what do we try and indicate by that when we cut someone down? Bring them down to size. Yeah. yeah. Well. So, interesting, e- even these days we use these phrases phrases that, that sort of have these biblical allusions. Lane? Well, I believe that Australians don't particularly care for what they call tall poppies. Ah, yes. And so wherever there's opportunity, many Australians will cut them down or yeah. take them down a peg. Yeah. It's interesting, too, that this humiliation doesn't only affect the tree. It affects uh, other creatures as well, just as in the case of uh, mm. Nebuchadnezzar. It affected his people. Yes, yeah, that's good. That's also good. the um, dream, because, you know, we need to ask that question. Where the dream comes from? Why Nebuchadnezzar dreamed such a dream like that? And we need to realize that God is, you know working out his own plan. And what I realize here in verse 11, it says here that the tree grew and become strong and its height reached to the heavens and it could be seen to the end of the earth. Mm-hmm. When I think of that straight away comes in my mind the story of the Tower of Babel when man wanted to build a tower to okay. reach the heavens. Yeah. Here, the tree, it's almost because this king, he believed, I personally believe that he thought that he's God on earth. 
and he can reach to the heavens. And God is giving him a dream and in, an interpretation to see where he mm. falls into the picture. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Legit. And I would like to say that in a lifetime as King Nebuchadnezzar, I think he had quite lots of dreams. But I think he recognized that these kind of dreams were s- really significant. Mm. Because of that, he asked, uh, you know, the wise people to interpret for him previously and give also the, the interpretation. Yeah. Because he recognized it's a very significant dream. Yeah. It's not uh, like any other dreams. Yeah. Len? King Nebuchadnezzar recognized that the God of heaven was involved in this dream. But the question that comes to my mind, as we will discover soon what happened to Nebuchadnezzar, and I don't want to sort of go over that at this stage, but the question that comes to my mind is, why did God give Nebuchadnezzar these humbling experiences? Was he simply trying to put him down for the sake of putting him down? I believe it was for a different reason. I but believe that it was to let Nebuchadnezzar acknowledge that he was not the superior being in the universe, mm. that there was a God in heaven who did things that were above the normal activities of man. Mm. I think also it was because Nebuchadnezzar was, at least God, was trying to save Nebuchadnezzar. And I think there's a wonderful lesson here, and I alluded to in the introductory prayer, that God is very patient, very persistent. He doesn't give up easily. Mm. And this is an example of that. Yeah, yeah, good. Thank you. I think uh, when God chooses his way to convert a person through his dreams, it's a special way, because if... Anyone would come to King Nebuchadnezzar to talk to him and tell him about uh, the sovereign God and so on and so on. He wouldn't listen. But God chose exactly the right path to his heart, to touch his heart in a special way, in a divinely way. Mm. And that was really conversion. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Helen? God is eager to save. Mm. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And sometimes he actually allows temporary discomfort, you know, even in our own lives, as he did to Nebuchadnezzar, if that will bring us close to choosing salvation and Mm. eternal life with him. Yeah, yeah, good. Thank you. Will? I can't help thinking that um, hundreds of uh, Hebrew captives moving into a dark place of uh, pagan belief and carrying the little light that they had must have felt overwhelmed how could God ever open up this country for us let alone that it should touch the heart of the king but you know God always goes before and God can work miracles and even today I guess we might uh, deal with this a little later but even today we feel we're overwhelmed by darkness how can the little light that we carry ever make a difference in this world And I think uh, we have a lot to learn from these chapters in Daniel. Yeah, good. And just to continue on the same uh, page, well, we ask ourselves why this story in the Bible, why this chapter in the Bible? And I I couldn't help but just uh, think of this verse in um, 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 3 and verse 16, which says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. 
and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It's amazing that I believe what Nebuchadnezzar is jotting down here is not only for him and his experience, but is also for the children of God in, in Babylon there. Because we may remember that they were there for a long time and probably their walk with the living God was not in the right place. But something like this, it's very important to everybody. Mm. Thank you. Let's let's move on. Uh, well, so we'll, in the dream, he sees the tree, majestic, tall. It it gets uh, voice orders for it to be cut down, and then uh, let, let's pick it up in verse fifteen. Verse fifteen and sixteen. Uh, Len, are you happy to read maybe that for us? Sure. Please? The tree cut down, but the messenger says, "But let the stump and its roots bound." bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground in the grass of the field so the tree wasn't totally destroyed and just just on that uh, if we can just pause for a moment what what's conveyed there by letting the stump remain do you think it's not completely destroyed ah okay yep because quite often if you leave a stump you'll see new shoots coming up yeah, yeah but what yeah. about the um, the symbol bound with iron and bronze mm-hmm. why is used this symbol bind with iron and bronze I think it could well refer back to the first dream that he had okay. you know there were yeah. different what there was gold and, and silver and, and you get down to the yeah. iron the bronze yeah. Yeah. and and I, I think this was some I may be wrong but to me when I read that I thought that's actually symbolic really but that's that a good point actually it's a good point because here you can see the uh, connection as we just said with the chapter 2 particularly, but all because in chapter 2 was described a long historical period, you know, in which uh, Babylon was also mm. part, but many other empires. Yeah, I'll go right. on reading. Thank you. It's very interesting to note the change in the pronouns. It's talking about the tree. Now it says, or Nebuchadnezzar says, in the announcement given in his dream, let him be drenched okay, with the so dew that's the middle of, of verse 15 yep yes, that's good Lent, let going. him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth and then verse 16 let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times passed by for him mm, mm. so Nebuchadnezzar recognized later on at least he recognized that this was about him it wasn't just that tree at the end it's talking about him yeah very good okay so we have this time period mentioned at the end of verse 16 uh, what what is this this mean well the word times in prophecy refers to years and sometimes it means years of years but in this case, we understand it means years. My Bible, which is a study Bible, includes a note at the bottom and simply says times means years. Okay. Yeah, so it's good. a time period of seven years, which okay. is a fair amount of time to spend out in the wild as an animal. <laughs> yes. So yeah, this was good. literal years, not prophetic years. Good, yes. good, good. Yes, mm-hmm. important. 
And now we come to the, the whole purpose of the dream, which is verse 17. This is one of the key verses in the entire chapter, and it's a, there's a phrase here that gets repeated. But let's, let's have someone read verse 17 for us, please. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets, it, it sets over it the lowliest of men. Yeah, thank you, uh, Will. So here we find what is the whole purpose here, that the living may know that the Most High rules, or is in other versions says, the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. And also, before you moving uh, on, uh, Joseph, I was just thinking to clarify this thing that because we mentioned, I mentioned also a bit earlier that uh, while we are reading this chapter four, King Nebuchadnezzar was a changed man. I would like to just mention that, that during the dream, actually the dream took place and the interpretation, he was still experiencing uh, oh, yeah. uh, lots of things, but while he's now recording that dream into the Bible and he's able to to make those those uh, statements about the living God is after he came to the realization that God is the sovereign God and God is the living God and he's now writing down this for us. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think there's something that we should learn from this. Sometimes we do things which probably we're quite proud of and I think that's okay as long as we remain humble with it. <laughs> mm. Some people uh, regard themselves as self-made men. <laughs> However, I think we should think of this. Not only does God appoint leaders in the world, but he's the one who gives us our breath. He's the one who allows our hearts to beat. He's the one who gives us life. If at any time God said, that's it, your number's up, we haven't got a leg to stand on. Okay, so let's let's move on now. That's the dream, and now Daniel begins to interpret the dream uh, to the king. It's interesting, as we look here in verse 19, then Daniel, it says, was greatly perplexed for a time. His thoughts terrified him. wonder why. I think the king could see his face. Yeah. And uh, he could read already that he was very anxious because he knew the interpretation, and he just said in, the, in verse 19... The king said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. So um, the king already realized that whatever Daniel is going to say is going to be really tragic and mm. important also. Mm. Mm. And, and then Belshazzar, that, that's Daniel, answered, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies. Why does he mm. say that? Because that was what does that not tell good you news. That yes. was good, not good news. And what does it tell you about Daniel? Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Loyalty to the king. Yeah. Loyalty? Tells me he's forgiven the king. Forgiven the, the king? Well, yeah. the king yeah. inflicted a lot of hurt on Daniel and his homeland. Yeah. And tact. Yes. Diplomacy. Yeah. Very good. And so he then says, the tree that you saw, this is verse 20, the tree that you saw which grew large and strong, verse 21, with beautiful leaves. And we read right down to verse 22. He says, you, O king, are that tree. So clearly here, Daniel explains that the tree in the dream represents King Nebuchadnezzar. Isn't it interesting here that what we find is we just need to read on 
in the very same chapter and we find a, a, a very straightforward explanation to the meaning of the dream. What's the principle here about uh, uh, stu- Bible study that we learn here? Fundamental principle. The Bible is... Its own interpreter. Very good. The Bible is its own interpreter. This is the beauty of, of the Bible. Any, any, anyone today is, who's willing to search can study and learn. That, that's the beauty about, about, about the Bible. God has given us the Bible. We, we are, don't need that the priest has to come and explain or we're reliant on, on, on something else. Every person that's genuinely seeking is able to understand Scripture, and that's the power of it. Will. Sometimes there's too much conjecture about a single piece of Scripture or a verse of Scripture. I think we should allow um, Scripture to interpret itself by comparing Scripture with Scripture. Exactly. Yeah, great principle. And, and we see it very much applied, uh, illustrated here. So uh, Daniel says to him, You, O king, are that tree. And then in verse 24 he says, This is the interpretation. So straightforward. Here we have it. Verse 24. I'll get someone to read 24 and t- through to 26. Let, let's read 24 through to 26. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over over the kingdoms of men and give them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stamp of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Pause there for a moment. So thank you. Back there in verse 25 again. Notice what was just read. Daniel says, seven times will pass by for you until what? You acknowledge. That's it. You acknowledge. Until you acknowledge what? That the the most most high high is is sovereign over the kingdoms of men. Mm. There's that phrase repeated again. Yes. The purpose of the dream was to to learn that the most high is sovereign, that he's the one that rules. The second major theme of the book of Daniel, in addition to the other theme that was the bankruptcy of human wisdom, is that God is in control. Daniel chapter 1, we saw that it was the Lord who gave Jehoiakim into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. Chapter 2, very much God is in control of world history. Chapter 3, again, in the lives of the three Hebrew worthies. Chapter 4 is going to come in again, and I'm not going to uh, reveal the next chapters, but we see this theme. The, in, 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 in a sentence, the whole book of Daniel is... God is in control. Helen and then Nick. Okay, I'd just like to mention that in each of those chapters you have mentioned, God still gives everyone hope. In in the one with the image, he gives hope of the eternal kingdom. Mm. In in um, the one with the fire, he gives hope that the Lord is with us. In in this one, he he is actually saying that the tree was left, the stump in the ground, but you will receive your kingdom back again. Here was some hope coming through. Yeah. He, he's a long-suffering God. He is sovereign, but he gives us hope in each one of those chapters. Yeah, yeah good. Thank you. I, think. I, I was going to refer just to, just to draw a lesson from, uh, from this passage here. Uh, we learn that God is not giving up, and we learn that God is bringing to our attention and again and again His will. With Nebuchadnezzar, in the first couple of chapters, he may acknowledge that through the interpretation and to the, to the wisdom uh, which uh, Daniel, uh, you know, exposed... Uh, from God, from the living God, 
but he was still moving on with his own uh, life and with the kingdom's problems. Mm. But God is interested in himself. Mm -hmm. God is interested in us. And I would like to say this. You may be exposed to some religious things during your life and you may still, you know, resist. But God comes again and again. Why? Because God loves you. Because God loves us and he wants us give our heart to him yeah. isn't yeah, it interesting you. that he didn't um he didn't give his heart fully to god until it touched him personally yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 good point thank you i see an example of this in a home where perhaps a child has been naughty and maybe did something nasty to their brother or sister so the parent says go to your room hmm. and stay there and when you're prepared to say sorry you can come out Little people need little lessons. Big people, like Nebuchadnezzar, need big lessons. Yeah, yeah no, very good. Thank you. So Daniel explains to the king, this is what will happen. You will become like an animal until seven times or seven years pass over you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign. Uh, and then, then you'll be restored. So just throw in a question here. Could Nebuchadnezzar have avoided this happening? Yeah, if we actually read the plea that came from Daniel. Ah, good. If if I may read uh, verse 27 again from the New Living Translation. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. He was pleading with him. Stop sinning. Do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. And perhaps then you will Mm. continue to prosper. He asked Nebuchadnezzar to change his life. Yeah, he did. Acknowledge that God was sovereign. And he, and God even gave Nebuchadnezzar 12 months, you know, I believe, to change his mind. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, yeah, he did Yeah, and we'll see that in, yeah, in just a couple of yeah. Yeah, verses time. Thank you, Alison. So, fascinating, isn't it? Daniel shares with the king the interpretation. Mm. And then, and then, and then, you know, he says, yeah, please, if I may, or therefore, uh, let, let, let me give you this advice. Um, so the king could have averted this, hmm. had he? Yes. Followed the advice yeah. from the start. Yeah. I mean, it's himself. a bit like Nineveh, yeah. isn't it? That's right. When, yeah. when God said it was going to be destroyed, however, it was conditional, you know, if yeah. they changed, and they did, even the king Good at point. Nineveh. Good, and good also example. in the Thank case you. of uh, Hezekiah, the king Hezekiah. Right. Yes. So king Hezekiah turned his heart to the Lord and he confessed all his sins with tears and uh, uh, a real cut into his heart and God changed his mind and he added to his years, f- more, 15 years more. Yeah. Yeah. So he could do that too. Yeah. Again, another uh, lesson to learn here. How many times is God pleading with us uh. to turn uh, to him rather than to go all through those uh, sufferings and challenges in life? Mm. Because sin has consequences. Mm. And in this case, that was a consequence for uh, King Nebuchadnezzar uh, to, to go and eat grass and do all those things to, to come to realization that, you know, he needs to turn back. Very important for us to learn today that we need to give our life today. Uh, again in the Bible says, today if you hear the voice of the Lord, harden not your heart. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Actually prof- religion, then we'll uh, move on. Yep. Yes, prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 18 verse 7 and 8, he gives a promise from God. Here. So it says, if at any time I uh, announce that a nation or kingdom it 
is to be uprooted, torn down and destroyed. And if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. Mm. So in the in the case of Nineveh, it happened the same. Yeah. People repented and they turned back to God, and they be, they've been they've been forgiven by God. Yeah, yeah. Land, and then we'll move on. I wish to raise an important issue. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. There've been many other rulers, despots, and others over the years. Think of Hitler. Think of Pol Pot. Think of Idi Amin, mm. and others who did not uh, repent of their evil ways and they killed thousands, millions of people. How come God appealed to Nebuchadnezzar and yet it appears did not appeal to Hitler and Idi Amin and Pol Pot, Stalin and so on? I have an answer. I don't know if it's a definitive answer, but I have an answer. I believe that Nebuchadnezzar actually had a good heart. Although he was proud and so on, some of these other people who I've mentioned would not respond, at least they did not respond, if they had a call to treat people properly and, and be um, a leader that they should have been. Like a leader should be able or should care for the people that's what they're a leader for and not there just for their own glory and so my answer is and some might have a different answer that these others did not have a heart that would respond to the calling of God mm. I know you want to move on but can I just add to that that I firmly believe that God would have given these people an opportunity you know, and and you can't say just say because they were evil and wicked and all the rest. Because look at the story of Manasseh. You know, God mm. finally got through to him, and Manasseh repented of his evil deeds. And he was evil; he was killing. Mm. You mm. know, but I believe they would have had the opportunity. And so, maybe some of our yes. listeners may not know straight away the stories which we refer to in the Bible. But what I like to say uh, on uh, Len, what you you brought up personally, I know. For example, I will bring one example that Hitler was exposed to God's will but he rejected and that's the thing you know we cannot assume because we don't know if uh, some people were exposed and others not in this case Nebuchadnezzar thinking that he was the only one which God was interested in him God is interested in everybody the problem is how we react to his invitation okay so let's pick up from verse 28 as we read continue here all this notice what the Bible says here all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar hmm Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said what? Who would like to read verse 30? The next words here, very significant words. Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? Okay, so what do we notice here is emphasized? What's repeated as, as Nebuchadnezzar struts on the roof of his palace got eye problems yes he's got eye disease yeah. <laughs> proud and arrogancy yeah 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 because he was looking at at uh, the entire babylon and he said of course babylon at that time he was one of the wonder of the world 
And uh, of course, he built it, but he didn't recognize that God gave him power and strength and wisdom and everything else. He looked at himself. Yes, yes. And he said he built it to what? What? Why did he build it? Exactly. He actually says to display his majestic mm. power, yeah. mm. literally. We find here, here he says, is not this a great Babylon that I have built by my mighty power for the glory of my majesty? And, uh, and the Bible then says in verse 31 that the words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven saying, this is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass for you until you acknowledge that the most there's that phrase again until you acknowledge that the most high is sovereign over the kingdoms of men the bible says there that the words were still in his lips when a voice came from came from heaven well i was going to comment about the voice coming from heaven before nebuchadnezzar heard the voice of the messenger in his dream this time he heard the voice from heaven. There yeah. was no dream. Yeah. Can I just make point of? I know you're coming to this, but it struck me very much that mm. while the words were in his mouth, he heard this, and at the same hour, yeah, judgment was fulfilled. Yeah. It wasn't another waiting period. Yeah. It was wham. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. What that tells us about the judgment, God's judgment, uh, because sometimes we we may be um, too arrogant ourselves. Mm to just say, okay, and I heard about again and again when people will say, look, I will come back to God. I have to fix this first. I have to do this. I had, you know, to set up my children and do other things and I'll come back to God. How do we know when God's judgment mm. is upon us? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Now is the day of salvation. Mm. Referring again to these repeated words, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he will. Try to uh, apply that to our lives today. And I'd like to share a little statement which I found. In the annals of human history, the growth of nations, the rise and fall of empires, appear as dependent on the will and prowess of man. The shaping of events seems to a great degree to be determined by his power, ambition, or caprice. But in the word of God, the curtain is drawn aside, and we behold behind, above, and through all the play and the counterplay of human interests and power and passions, the agencies of the all-merciful one, silently, patiently working out the counsels of his own will. Mm. That's a great statement. Yes. That's a powerful statement. Let's continue very quickly as we, we need to wrap up. In verse 33, the Bible says here, immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. Notice that? Immediately. And then it says that he was driven away from the people. He ate grass like cattle. This, now, this is, this is the most powerful monarch of the time. It says that he, he went and ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Wow. What's going on here? Helen, you wanted to, you brought this up earlier. Yeah. Um, today, psychiatrists have diagnosed Nebuchadnezzar's behavior as a variant of paranoia and schizophrenia. But it is a very real um, illness 
you know, a patient imagines that he's been transformed into a wolf or an ox or another animal and behaves as such down to the last most intimate details. In fact, there is a story of a 49-year-old woman who was convinced that her head was that of a wolf, complete with the snout and the fangs. And when she opened her mouth to speak, she would hear herself growl and howl like a beast. Mm, mm. You know, it must be absolutely horrendous to go through that. But not only did Daniel uh, did sorry, not only did Nebuchadnezzar eat the grass and what have you, it, we, it describes that his hair grew long and matted like the ruffled feathers of a buzzard. You know, his nails resembled the tailings of a bird of prey, and he was wide-eyed and gibbering, and he plucked grass and stuffed it into his mouth and munched it like an ox. Mm. Yeah. It's it's terrible. I yeah, mean, we think, yeah. oh, yeah, well, this is a supernatural thing that's happened. And, yes, it was. However, it is a very real thing that happens to people even today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Thank you for that. And so, incredible, this, this most powerful monarch of the time, uh, he, he suddenly becomes insane, so to speak, for these mm. seven years. And then, and then, then we read and what, his words. Now, pick it up again in verse thirty-four. Mm-hmm. At the end of that time, I Nebuchadnezzar raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Notice mm-hmm. that. Then I praised the Most High. I honoured and glorified Him who lives forever. And then, you, then you find there that He says His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. That's what Nebuchadnezzar shares there. Come to verse 36. At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honour and splendour were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. Uh, You recall in the dream, the tree was cut down, but the stump was left. And here we find its fulfillment. He was cut down. He he, he was humbled, um, became like an animal for seven years. And then after seven years, he is restored to the kingdom again. Uh, just as the dream uh, had, had, had predicted would, would take place. And then if we come down to verse 37, the last verse. Uh, actually, let's, well, let's do 36 minutes altogether so we, we finish this properly. I'll read it. Thank <clears> you. <throat> At the same time, verse 36, that my sanity was restored, my honour and splendour were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisers and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne. Two restorations, restored to sanity, restored to his throne, Mm. and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of Heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride... He is able to humble. That's mm. so at the very end. There's the end of this chapter. We find Nebuchadnezzar confessing true God of heaven. Yeah. 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 It's an interesting story, isn't it? You know, he starts off being proud, um, and then he was he was humbled, then he was healed, um, he was restored, and then there was the acknowledgement. Yeah. It's an interesting yeah. life. Yeah. Quick lesson for me from this study and is to put the pride down and live a humble life acknowledging God. Because yeah. pride goes before a fall, doesn't Thank it? Thank you. Uh, yeah, others of you, uh, in the minute we've got remaining, what is it that we apply, how can we apply this in our lives today? 
Exactly the same as Nick said to me is that this, this discipline applied to Nebuchadnezzar can be applied to any one of us in our lives because we are the group of living people and we should pay uh, better attention to acknowledge God the most high on earth, in, in heaven and on, and on earth. Mm, yeah, good. Thank you. Len? A lady said to me once, God cannot forgive me. I've been too bad. God can forgive her. God's grace is greater than the sins that we commit. And so if anybody's feeling, well, there's no hope for me, I've been really bad, you're wrong. God can forgive you. He gave, he forgave Nebuchadnezzar and he can forgive you too. Mm. Yeah. And I think as we, as we, okay, Helen again. Yes, yeah, sorry about that. I, I just remember reading this statement. It said, there is a Nebuchadnezzar in everyone. To overcome pride and become humble is an ideal we cannot achieve in human terms. Humility is an elusive goal. As soon as we think we've reached it, it is already lost. Mm. But Jesus can give us power to overcome our arrogance and live a humble life. He gave us the example. He can change every temptation to pride into an opportunity for gratitude. It's interesting. This is the last we hear of Nebuchadnezzar. Yes. And uh, the Bible leaves us with the clear impression that we will find that Nebuchadnezzar will be in the kingdom. There is a Nebuchadnezzar in all of us. And uh, my prayer is that we, like Nebuchadnezzar did eventually, will acknowledge that the Most High rules and is sovereign over all. Thank you for joining us for our study. We're going to close with prayer. Thank you, Will. Our loving Father in heaven, in case our minds and our hearts become overwhelmed with uh, self-righteousness and uh, the self-deceit that we are able to do all things, we pray, Father, that you will humble us. May we uh, acknowledge you as the God of heaven that deals not only with the affairs of men, but uh, with every uh, incident in our lives. We humble ourselves before you, acknowledge you as our God, and give us a place in your kingdom, restored in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.